Hey, join me in your Bible tonight to the book of Galatians. Once again, if you would please, Galatians chapter number 5 and 6. I'm not going to preach those whole two chapters so you can breathe a little easier now. I don't want to do that at all. But uh, just take your Bible and turn there with us. And uh, let's kind of start summing up the book. And I hope that uh, the handout will help you a little bit tonight. Please look now, if you would please. I'll begin reading in verse 1, chapter number 6. Verse 1, chapter number 6, please. And uh, Paul, beginning in chapter 5 and 6, begins to encourage and admonish the church and exhort them uh, in certain areas. I want you to look at one verse and let me pull just a few words out of that verse for a theme, if that would be all right. In chapter 6 and verse 2, the Bible says, Bear ye one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. I looked through the concordance this afternoon. In fact, I was looking at it when the staff came in for our pre-service prayer meeting. And uh, I had a strong concordance open there on my desk. Somehow or another, when I try to find strong concordance on on my phone or computer, I come up with somebody else's concordance. All mechanical devices are backslid. Especially if they got a screen on them. Notice the term, the law of Christ. As you go through the Bible, you'll see terms like the law of God. You'll find the law of Moses. You'll find law after law after law, but this is the only time I've seen mentioned in the New Testament the law of Christ. And as Paul begins to admonish and encourage and exhort the people at Galatia, who has been bothered tremendously by the Judaizers from Jerusalem, now seeking to get them back under the rules and regulations of the law, they wanted them to be circumcised, they wanted them to uh, take care of the ceremonial laws and brought back under the bondage of the law. Paul has taken the book of Galatians and trying to show them how foolish it is. And first of all, he deals in chapter 5 with the law of liberty. Now, if you have your notes there, that's number one, under point one, under introduction one, right before we get through with the finality, the law of liberty. In the law of Moses, it was the law of bondage. Under the Old Testament law, it was a set of rules and regulations. We independent fundamental Baptists captivated some of those rules and regulations. And like the Pharisees of old, if we didn't have scripture, we just made a law anyhow. And we began to preach, don't, don't, don't. 
do, do, do. That's all I heard the first 15 years of my ministry and independent fundamentalism was you can't, you can't, you mustn't, you mustn't. If you don't, you better not, and you better do this. That's all I heard. And so I heard a lot of good people, a lot of good people with that kind of ministry of just putting rules, burdens upon people. When I was in evangelism, I went to a church down in Florida. Then I went to church out in West Texas. Then I went to churches all over the country that had been to a seminar in Indiana. And they had come back and made the choir, the instrumentalists, and everybody that was in leadership sign a contract saying that they won't do this at home no matter who's a-watching. Well, this church in Florida was running about 600 They had about four in the choir. The organ player had quit. The piano player had quit because of legislation, religious legislation. You do this or you can't do this and so forth and so on. And so notice, if you would, please, I'd like to show you verse one of chapter number five. The Bible says, stand fast, therefore, in the rules and regulations that we have put on each other for these many years. Stick to your tradition, regardless of who it hurts. Now, if a lot of preacher friends of mine of years gone by had had a chance to write that verse, that's how they had written it. But Paul says to the church, And the churches in Galatia who slipping back underneath the bondage of rules and regulations and do's and don'ts. He said, I'd like to encourage you folks to do this. Stand fast in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free. Be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Behold, I, Paul, say unto you that if you be circumcised Christ shall profit you nothing. And so he talks about liberty. Look at verse number 13. For brethren, you have been called unto liberty. Only use not your liberty as an occasion for the flesh. But by love, serve one another. That's a change, isn't it? What's going to keep me from abusing the liberty that God has given me. It's the love for Christ. I'm not here tonight to become a better Christian. I'm here tonight because I love Jesus. And I'll be here Sunday too. Not because it'll make you think that I love God more. I'll be here because I do love God. And we talked last week about the law of liberty. We are at liberty as Christians. We're not in bondage to the law anymore. We're not 
You know, I just wonder how many people has been sent to hell because they looked at some man's kneecaps. Now, they might have gone to the hospital sick at their stomach. But I don't know. Buddy, if you lust over a man's kneecaps, you are in bad shape. And some of these women running around in shorts, they don't bother me. Because I love Jesus more than I love flesh. He said, it bothers me. Well, maybe you need to realize Jesus loves you. And you're not to let your liberty to be a cause for your flesh to work overtime. I I just, you know, I I just... uh, I feel sorry for some ladies trying to show off what they ain't got. <laughs> and most of them's got everything propped up so bad and shrunk so bad and moved around so bad you don't know which part they're showing anyhow. <laughs> but you can be sure if it's not covered, it's being advertised. You say, I'm going to get mad at you. Boy, that's going to make me lose a lot of sleep tonight. (laughs) If you don't want to cause men to commit adultery with you in their heart, then you keep it covered. Don't let your liberty be an occasion for the flesh. Well, I thought it would go over better, but it didn't. So last week we talked about the law of liberty. And then secondly, Paul admonishes them with the law of likeness to Christ. The law of liberty in Christ. And then he talked about the law of likeness to Christ. And he gave us. Two illustrations, if you please. And he goes down here in verse number 16. He said, this I say, verse chapter 5, verse 16. This I say then, walk in the spirit and you shall not what? There you go. Walk in the spirit. You shall not fulfill the law or the law of the flesh, the lust of the flesh. That may be the reason why that don't bother me anymore. Still bother you? You say, Well, I'm not 74 like you. Well, I ain't always been 74. <laughs> kind of slipped up on it. You see these preachers falling. You see these preachers falling for lust of the flesh and lust of finances. The problem is they've been walking in the flesh, not the spirit. You say, well, what they need is rehab. No, that's not what they need. What they don't need is another psychologist. What they need is a good dose of the Holy Ghost of God and a yielding 
a yielding <coughs> to walk in the spirit, a daily yielding, a daily dying to self. It would absolutely <coughs> scare you to know how many folk today in this place hadn't read their Bible yet. And will go to bed without reading their Bible. And they'll get up in the morning too busy to read their Bible. And they'll be too tired tomorrow night to read their Bible. And the next time they see their Bible will be next Sunday if they come to church. You cannot whip the spirit. You cannot beat down the lust yourself. You need the aid and the help of the Holy Spirit of God. And then we must yield to the Spirit of God and walk in the Spirit of God. And that, my friend, will produce a likeness to Christ. Let me show you. Verse 19 or 17. Look at the contrast. Or verse number 19. I was right the first time. Now the works of the flesh are manifest. And we'll not read them all. But notice verse 19, he talks about sexual sins. Verse 20, he talks about spiritual sins. And verse 20 through 21, he talks about social sins. And then he said there is a contrast between he who walks in the flesh and he who walks in the spirit. And he said, look what happens to those who are walking in the spirit. Verse 22, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. You know why? Because that's just like Christ. That, that, that's, that, that's just like Christ. He covers, first of all, the, the emotional sins. I mean, the emotional fruit. Look at this. Love, joy, and peace. All emotional. All emotions. How you feel it? Oh, I'm just so down. What's wrong? I have no peace. What happened to your joy? Flesh, eat it up. Notice, if you would please, then he talks about the evidential sins. I mean, the fruits, things that people can see. He talks about that. He talks about long-suffering, gentleness, goodness. Wouldn't that be, wouldn't that be something if all of those were evident in our lives at church? Well, the only way they can is if you handle the first three. Because God deals with the whole person. Don't have time to talk about that tonight. But isn't that wonderful? And then he goes up to to verse number 24. And then he starts talking about the practice of Christ-likeness. The provision for Christ-likeness in the early part. The proofs of Christ-likeness. Now notice the practice. Verse 24. And they... That our Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and the lust. Now listen to me tonight. Please, if you don't ever hear another thing. The only type of death that you cannot do by yourself. You can strangle yourself. You can hang yourself. You can shoot yourself. You can take an overdose yourself. You can jump off the building yourself, but there's just no way you can crucify yourself. 
it takes some help to crucify yourself. And the only way you and I can be crucified, crucify the flesh, is to get the Holy Spirit in on it. He is the crucifier. Well, I've tried this, I've tried, why don't you just try yielding yourself to the Holy Spirit and God's word and watch him kill the flesh. You say, well, I need a psychiatrist. No, you don't need no psychiatrist. If you told him what's wrong with you, he'd probably go hang himself. (laughs) The highest rate of suicide in all profession is psychologists and psychiatrists. I mean, they just, they, just, they, they, they just cannot handle everybody's problems. But the Holy Ghost can. Amen. So there is a law of liberty. Paul admonished them, stand fast in the law. There's a law of the likeness to Christ. And that is produced by the Holy Spirit of God. Now tonight, in chapter 6 and verse 1, let's talk about the law of love for Christ. You got that? Love for Christ. The law of love for Christ. Well, we have liberty in Christ. We're to walk in likeness of Christ. Notice verse 1. Chapter 6. Brethren. You know, that's a good word. Look at the last chapter, last verse in the chapter and look how it ends. Same chapter, chapter 6. Look how it ends. Brethren. Brethren. Eight times in this book, Paul uses the word brethren. Brethren. If a man be overtaken in a fault... Ye which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. But bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if a man think himself to be something, when he is nothing... He deceiveth himself. Man, I know some preachers that have inflated egos. I I guarantee you need an appointment to see them. And you wish you'd had an appointment not to see them after you did. They have the idea that they're just a little bit above the average cut of Christianity. But let every man prove his own work. Then shall he have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. For every man shall bear his own burden. Let him that is taught in the word communicate unto him That teacheth in all things. Now tonight. Paul. 
encourages and admonishes and exhorts these people at Galatia to not only stand fast in their liberty, but not only to walk in likeness of Christ, but also do it because of the love for Christ. You see, love is the law of life. Romans 13 and 10 says, love is the fulfilling of the law. Even in chapter 5, it said, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. So let's you and I talk just a little bit tonight for just a minute about love. If you want to put down next week's message, it would be the law of life in Christ. The law of life in Christ. Man, I wouldn't take anything for my life in Christ. Now, I'm in him and nobody's going to get me out. Nobody. Nobody. I'm in him. Wherever he is, I am. And he's seated at the right hand of God tonight in heaven. And that means if I'm in him, I'm already in heaven. All I got to do is open my eyes one of these days and realize it. The Bible said he hath made us set together in heavenly places. Now notice, in Christ Jesus. Somebody said, is that eternal security? I don't know, but I'll take it whatever it is. Notice now, if you would please. I want to show you something and then you're going to get all shook up about some of these points. The love that woos sympathetically. Verse 1 through 2. The law that woos sympathetically. Please notice if you would. He says brethren. You know over in Genesis there's an illustration about an old man by the name of Abram. And a young man by the name of Lot. Any of you remember that story in chapter 13 of the book of Genesis. And the Bible says that. Abraham had become a very wealthy man down in Egypt. And Lot, his nephew, had become wealthy also. Their cattle and their wealth had increased so drastically, fantastically, that the the land was not able to bear them. And they became an argument between Lot's herdsmen and Abraham's herdsmen. Remember that? I said, do you remember that? And you remember what Abraham told Lot? Lot... We do not need to argue about this. I mean, the land is all before us. And besides that, we be brethren. Christian brothers and sisters have no right, no excuse to be at odds or ends with one another. Make no difference whether you like my cologne or not. If you don't like my cologne, buy this a clothespin. <laughs> we fall out over the dumbest of things. Yeah. Did you know that the first two disciples that Jesus called were brothers? Did you know that the second two disciples Jesus called were brothers? Abraham said, Lot, we don't need to argue. We don't need to fuss and fight. Why don't we need to fuss and fight, Uncle Abe? Because we be brethren. 
We don't need. Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a what? Fault. Well, the only good thing about that verse is we choose the faults that we forgive. And we choose the people that we choose to forgive the faults that we choose to forgive. Because some faults are so much larger than others. And it does not say how many faults. It says fault. If brethren... Now, preacher, why should I listen to this? Because we be brethren. Have you noticed how brothers and sisters can disagree? And after a while, both of them mad at mom and daddy because it was mom and daddy's fault to begin with. And they're playing again. Mom and daddy's in there pouting. What are we going to do with them brats? Right, huh? Brethren, we be family. Notice. Now the fault could refer to verses 19 through 21 of chapter 5. Or it could refer to our marvel that you are so soon removed from the gospel of Jesus Christ. Which is not another gospel. Now the fault may be doctrinal. The fault may be moral. The sin may be physical. The sin may be emotional. But whatever it is. Paul said. Ye that are spiritual. Restore such a one. See, the law of Christ is the law that woos sympathetically. Notice, please now, I don't want to make you mad. But notice it says, brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, don't mean that that person is chasing the fault. It means the fault and sin is chasing him. Ye which are spiritual. Now the problem with that is, Most folks who think they're spiritual, they're really not. See, most folks that that think they're spiritual are really not spiritual. They're prideful. But Paul, Paul, when he closed out the book of 2 Corinthians, he said, I am nothing. I am nothing. You know, isn't it amazing The word to use restore here in this verse is the same word that was used over in Matthew chapter number 4 and verse 21 where it says Jesus walked by the seaside and they were mending their nets. You know what we're to do? We're to help folk mend back their lives and get back in a right relationship with God. Get off our judgment seats and quit being so harsh and hard to some Christians. 
Well, you don't understand. No, I, I don't understand. I, I'm just going to start practicing it. I hope I can continue to practice it. Not start tonight, but continue to do it. You cannot pastor a church and not practice that verse. You would be surprised at what some pastors have to go through. What some pastors' kids have had to go through. Dear friend, friend of mine in Dayton, Ohio, Dr. Gerald Fleming. I preached at a banquet one night. He had 660 some adults in the banquet in that deal. Used to run a hundred buses throughout the city of Dayton. Feel that huge building. Great preacher. Two of his deacons took one of his boys out behind the church and beat him until he was physically demanded all of his life. Beat him because they couldn't do it to the preacher. They did it to a teenage boy. My first four kids have had things said to them that you wouldn't say to a dog. They've been picked on by adults. They've been harassed by adults all because they couldn't get to me. Somebody said, Preacher, I don't understand. No, we haven't had any of that here. We've never had one, one negative vote on anything here. People get mad at me, they just leave. They don't want me get to hit me in Africa. Not really. Not really. Said, so have you ever had a split? No, we have a constant splinter. But you know what? I'd hate for every polecat in town to think I was doing good. And what we need to realize tonight, that if you are a pastor or in the ministry, you better start practicing verse number one. And you better stop selecting the sins that you're going to forgive somebody of. Ye that are If you're having trouble to forgiving someone, that may reveal your spirituality. Say, well, I don't like that. It's just a fact, Jack. That's what it says. He said, you folk need to start forgiving and restoring. Why? Notice, lest thyself also be tempted. Quickly now. You need to mark your own boundaries. You need to really watch it. Now notice, if you would please, I talked first of all about your relationship to the backslider. And that backslider is one who has fallen, one who has been overcome, and one who has fallen into a fault. And please, don't step on them while they're down there. Put a band-aid on them, stand them up, and love them just like Jesus did. You said, what will people think of me if I do that? Who cares? You ought to be more more aligned into what Jesus thinks of us, not what some of your clique might say. Well, notice if you would please, we're having fun. 
in relation to a backslider. Then as a burden bearer in verse number two, he says this, bear you one another's burdens. Because when you bear one another's burdens, you do what? Do what? You do what? You fulfill the law of Christ. That should be what we want to do. See, the Judaizers was trying to load these folks up with burdens. For instance, Matthew chapter 23 and verse number 4, it talks about these Pharisees and these religious folks. Verse 4, for they bind heavy burdens and grievous to be born. Lay them on men's shoulders, but they... Themselves will not move them with one of their fingers. You know, one of the biggest burdens I think I could put on our ladies is culottes. If God ever made anything any uglier. No, if the devil ever made anything any uglier. It has to be two pair of culottes. No, I could, I, you know, just put all those heavy burdens on you. Put all those kinks and cans and stuff. Just load you down with stuff. And most of the preachers, now I'm on a, a lot of the preachers who preached that kind of message years ago are now. A has-been. The place where all those fellows went to pastor school. The pastor was accused. The pastor's son was accused. Every one of the pastor's daughter's husbands have been caught. And now the pastor of that church, after daddy's gone, is going to jail for child abuse. Slipping across the state line with a 16-year-old girl. While all the while, like Jimmy Swaggart, preaching against adultery and bad morals and got caught in a cat house in California. You say, you're on television. <gasps> Maybe it's a whorehouse, not a cat house. I have no idea. It just see the Judaizers was trying to load them up with all in heavy burdens. And Jesus said, Take my yoke upon you, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And ladies and gentlemen, we are to be burden barriers. We're to help one another carry burdens, physical burdens, financial burdens. Emotional burdens, burdens, whatever they may be, we are to help carry those burdens. One burden that Brother Billy and the deacons and so forth, and we're going to start trying to get some volunteers that will go into the houses of shut-ins who people have to stay with night and day and just go in and sit so that that person can have some relief. For two or three hours just to get away, just to go out and 
drink a malt or a beer. I mean, not a beer. <laughs> but if you could do that, uh, we've got folks that has to be with a kinfolk or somebody in the family 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Man, that, that has got to be the quickest way of death that you can imagine. My sister killed herself keeping my mom. Not, not, not two months after my mom died, my little sister had a stroke and laid there for a year or so. I mean, paralyzed all over except the left arm. And, 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 and I know most of it was just, just grief and watching mom. We just need some folks who will say, you know, I could take a couple hours on a Tuesday or three or four hours on a Friday and uh, I'll go sit and, uh, and just say, uh-huh, yeah, uh-huh, yeah. You maybe talk to somebody, don't even know what they're saying. But, of course, we've been doing that all of our life. <laughs> You've been listening to somebody preach all these years, didn't know what they were saying. But we need to bear one another's burdens. We not only need to love and woo sympathetically. The law of love is the law that walks softly. Now notice this, if you would please. Walk softly. I'll finish it. Verse 3 to 5. Now notice. Walk softly. Notice this. Uh, This is wonderful. The Bible said... For if a man think himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceiveth himself. But let every man prove his own work, then shall he have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. For every man shall bear his own burden. Now I've got down there under A. Now I think you need to, you need to, you need to do this. Mark your own boundaries. I have never seen so many stuck-up Christians in my life. You go to the churches and they got pastor parking. Well, around here, if the pastor wants a good parking place, he can get it for everybody else. I mean, that's how you do that. Uh, you never need an appointment to talk to me. You just need to call the office to make sure I'll be here. Because I'm never here. And if you call, I'll be here. But you not have to make an appointment with me. Uh, somebody gave me a doctor's degree years ago. And I wouldn't even make a good nurse. You know, I just think all of these tags is nothing but stealing the glory from God. I haven't done anything around this place. Man, I've just enjoyed the trip. I'm just afraid I'm going to wake up one of these days and be in California broke without a job. I, 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 I have a nightmare continually, at least three or four nights a week. I'm in California broke without a job and resigned this church. Oh, for years, years. You say, why? Well, maybe the devil wants me in California broke without a church. I don't know why I did it. You need to mark your boundaries. You need to mark your boundaries. You're probably not near as good as people saying you are. Some of you girls are not near as pretty. 
as your husband's saying you are. <laughs> we need to stop listening to a bunch of junk about us. Because it's not about us. Amen. It's about him. Amen. Do you get that? Yes, it's not about us. Man, if you've got something, guess where you got it? You certainly didn't get it on your own. Every good and perfect gift cometh where? From a father above of whom there's no variableness. Amen. I just just think, bless the Lord, we need to mark our own boundaries. Folk tell me, well, preacher, that was a great sermon Sunday. All I got to do is go in on my computer and turn it on, go to sermon audio and punch last Sunday's date and I can watch what a ridiculous mess somebody called a good sermon. When I was in evangelism, I used to sing. Folk used to say, Seems like Mel Tillis without the stutter. <laughs> I'd go to the motel right face and plug up a tape, and that resolved all doubt. You probably can't sing as good as you think you can. And I know you can't preach as good as some of you think you can. And you're probably not near as good a husband as somebody's got you made out to be. And you're certainly not the kind of wife that Jesus is coming back for. So we need to mark our boundaries. <laughs> We're really not as special as we might think. Amen. See, because when a man think him something, he is what? We need to mind our own business in verse 4. Verse 4, but let every man prove his own work. And then shall he have rejoicing in himself alone and not in what somebody else said. I thought that was pretty good. After all, it went with the outline, mind your own business. Don't listen to the praise and criticism of others. God's approval is enough and that's all you need. Lastly, Move your own burden. Notice verse 2. It says, bear ye one another's burdens. Verse 5. For every man shall bear his own burden. That's a, hey, that's a conflict in the King James Bible. Yeah. One of them says, bear one another's burdens. And then it says, bear your own burden. Could it be that uh, the Greek word for burden are different? When you go to the airport, you got one bag that you check. That's a burden in first number two. Heavy, weighty, burdensome. Things that's about to break your back. Things that's about to break your spirit. I can help you bear those. Then you got a carry-on bag. Second Greek word means carry, carry, carry. Just carry it. You've got to carry it. There are just some things, bless God, only you can handle. That's your carry-on baggage. 
Only you can repent for yourself. Only you can use your spiritual gifts for the glory of God. Only you. There's just some burdens that we got to bear ourselves. And I close with verse 6. Look at this. This is going to hurt you. Pay the preacher. That's what Paul said, pay him. Well, I don't think preacher ought to get paid. Glad you didn't write the Bible. I'd be awful hungry right now. Bible said, they that preach the gospel should live with the gospel. Paul told the Philippian church, no man communicated with me in giving and receiving except you. Notice what he said in verse 6. Let, ever, let him that is taught... That's you. In the word, communicate unto him that teacheth in all good things. Just flat out, pay the preacher. The love that works sincerely. Pay the preacher. Somebody said, preacher, I don't understand how you have all those new cars. It's called credit. Everything I got. Now, I wish my name was Dave Ramsey. And I could pay cash for everything. But if I'd have waited to have cash to buy everything, I would have nothing. Everything I've got and everything this church has. Now, Dave Ramsey has a way. But it's not the only way. They told me years ago, said, Preacher, what you do when you start that church now? Now, they didn't want to put any money in it. They just wanted to give me advice. You know how, you know how free advice is. They said, Preacher, whatever you do, don't go in debt. Just wait till you get the money and then build a building. I said, well, I've got another philosophy. Let me, let me tell you what that is. If I can borrow the money to buy a chair and put a real live human being in it, more than likely he's got a wallet somewhere around him. If he lets me preach long enough and fall in love with Jesus, I'll touch that wallet and he'll buy his own seat. Has it worked? I said, has it worked? Amen. That's a lot of difference in faith and foolishness. Amen. But what God has done here is not normal. It is divine. And he's not done it because of me, not because of Jim, or not because of anybody. He's done it because of his wonderful and marvelous grace. He just picked out an old country redneck and put him down in the country and had him preach the right message at the right time to the right people and to God be the glory, great things he's done. And and Paul says, pay him. (laughs) I've had one raise. I've had one raise. In 27 and a half years. 
And I took that raise because the deacon board decided to give me a raise. And I objected to the raise. And two of the deacons went in on Monday morning and made sure my wife made out the check for the raise. It's not about money. It's about him. I wonder how long you'd stay on the job. I wonder how you'd feel. If you'd only had one raise in 27 and a half years. I don't want one. Don't need one. But just the thought might be nicer once in a while. (laughs) You say, well, you're making more money on your worth. That's beside the point. I can't live on what I'm worth. 